Round up the usual suspects. Yeah, let's cut to the chase, okay? What are you guys selling? If you're drowning and I throw you a life jacket, would you grab it? Yes, good. Pick up 200 shares. I won't let you down. Pay him. Pay that man his money. Ask him how they'd like to see 30, 40% returns. What are they going to say? No? I don't want to see those returns. Where's the money, Lebowski? You're going to make a lot of money, right? Be aggressive. Learn how to push. Show him a 3% return. I'll trust you to watch his kids for the weekend. I'm a big fan of money. Move around. Motion creates emotion. I did not know this. That's it. I'm done. Hello and welcome back to Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Al. Mr. Matt Byrne on the board with a, with a new assistant, and we have Mr. Greg Pappas in the studio. By the way, Greg, everybody uh, last week who likes listening to you was saying how much better they like listening to you uh, when you're in the microphone, how much clearer you were. You can hear my allergy voice. Yes, you can hear whatever. Crystal clear, huh? Absolutely. Well, you know, whatever it is, we want it clear. All right, so we got all kinds of things to talk about. The market in the crapo on Friday finished on its absolute low, which you don't see very often where... You're on the absolute high or low where not one person wants either take take profits on the downside or sell on the upside. It just uh, <clears throat> it just was one of those days. Eh? After uh, our man came out and said he's serious about, I mean, you know, you know, you know my opinion about the same guys. Were you watching in in the morning when he was? I was had the speech up on one screen and uh, uh, e minis on the other, yep. and it just sat there for like five minutes. I couldn't believe it. So, huh. Well, they rallied initially. Huh. Yeah, this is interesting. And you'd think the smart crowd was kind of picking up some puts or doing something you know, while he was speaking. And then I logged in, I don't know, maybe two hours later, and all of a sudden you're down a percent. And then another hour, you're down another percent. Well, I mean, the, the guys who bought on the speech, I mean, what did Mr. T say? I pity the fool. Well, you know, I mean, uh, good Lord, you're down... What, 100, 110 spoo picks? Ticks, that's a lot in a day. That'll leave a mark. That'll leave a mark. Anyway, S&P futures were continuing that way today. Last night, the low I saw was down 45. Then we came back just this morning before I left. We were only down 30, and now we're down 43.50 again. So, ouch, NASDAQ down another 164. I don't know, are we going to go to our June lows here? What are we going to do? We should do whatever, uh, the opposite of whatever Jim Cramer says. You know, I... Uh, I don't, I don't, I don't get that stuff on TV lately. I mean, we haven't seen our buddies Dr. J and Pete on there. I guess a lobble criticism. Why not? Um, <clears throat> you're seeing more and more of the other guys, and you sort of get somewhat. Uh, everybody's got their shtick, I think, Greg. And not many people you can move out of their area and have them still sound intelligent, right? I struggle with just one area. Well, I mean, that's why. For those that haven't figured it out. <laughs> That's why I continually have people from with different points of view on every half hour hour for the whole week. Right? See, you're probably in the minority on that one. Well, I, I uh, your thought bubble is wider than most of the uh, talking points and regular market pump on other channels. Well, I'm I'm not just talking my own my own book like those guys are. Maybe you know you had a <laughs> we had a guy. <clears throat> um, Dr. J and I were doing the show like forever on the score. And, you know, and John and I had a, a great rapport. I mean, he's terrific to do something with. He's got great personality. He knows a bunch of stuff. And we had like complimentary sort of talents. I can read articles and remember from 25 years ago the substance of the article. I can never remember who the hell wrote it. But John remembers everybody's name. So between the two of us, we, we, we were pretty good, right? Yeah. And, uh, 
Plus, we, we'd, we'd fight about stuff pretty good. I mean, we didn't agree on a whole lot of stuff, but but it was always civil. I mean, Jen and I have always been friends. And uh, it was a pretty good show, I think. And so uh, he, he, he was gone more than me, right? So there's this guy. You know the guy, but I won't say the name. He, uh, he, he'd sub for Jan. And, I, and then so all of a sudden, I, I had to go somewhere. I see a client. And, I, and then the guy comes in. I said to Jan, hey, now look. Just keep him in his area, and he's very, very good. He's personable, blah, blah, blah. Uh, you know, tell a joke, that kind of thing. I said, but you can't wander uh, off the playing field too much because he's he's not me. <laughs> you know? um, and uh, so all of a sudden, uh, like an hour after the show, I get the call from John. Jeez, you weren't freaking kidding. I go, what are you talking about? I go, well, you know, I, I lobbed him something about IBM. I figured I could check my computer, take a sip of coffee, and you always talk for two minutes about whatever subject I lob it at you. And all of a sudden, I hear, I don't know much about IBM. Back to you, Jen. <laughs> In the middle of my coffee. <laughs> what the hell? Hey, I told you. <laughs> it wasn't like I didn't warn you. Yeah, you warned me, all right, but I didn't pay any attention. Um, anyway, this one thing you sent uh, before we talk about the crummy market, and one of the things, I don't usually like to give this one this early, but, you know, I don't know, uh, Greg, everybody's following this Bitcoin. It was down more, but it's still down 203. It's under 20,000, 19,783. I think that's part of the market's problem here because of these margins. Let's let's put on the ba- put that on the back burner for a second. What is, uh, Greg sends me stuff over the weekend that he finds in his area, um, not just his area, but uh, a lot of stuff in the, in the um, over in the grains and the, the futures area of the world, board of trade area of the world, CME area of the world, and uh, I always find that fascinating. We don't have as many, for whatever reason, Greg, we don't have as many traders. At one time at PTI, 15 years ago, I'd say at least half our business was futures. Yeah, we had all kinds of people who traded corn and soybeans and wheat and you name it, and uh, you know natural gas. And now that that doesn't seem anywhere near as interesting to the retail world as it used to be. I don't, I don't know why, but it is. And especially in the as we had the contracts, you got to tie up more money. Um, you'd see, I want to say, a retail account at well below the averages of kind of what is required for the you know leverage of futures. So, just makes you think sense. that's it. Yeah, makes sense that you kind of are at a disadvantage from the beginning with futures. So why not jump into Robinhood, or who, which has a much better uh, user interface, much more, you know, quote, fun, if you will, or Bitcoin or something else where, you know, you put in your however much money and you just go right away. Uh, the futures, it's really much more complicated because you have that intermediate step of a clearing firm and... It's well, plus, if you're doing any kind of size, you really need to talk to somebody. Yeah. yeah I mean, one of the reasons is, Ms. Storm from PTA, we had, i tell you what, talk about the, one of the nuttiest guys I ever met. Greg was this guy who used to work for his Billy Bear. Billy was one of the smartest yet goofiest dudes. He was the most fun guy to be around. But he was our futures guy. And he was so good at it. I never even worried, I, I never even, I never even worried about anything, you know, with the, with the idea, we'd have guys doing natural gas. It's a massive contract. If there was a problem, Billy'd call him. He'd do this. He was so good at it, and all of a sudden he caught this rare form of cancer, and he was dead in like three months. And after that, I just I just had no interest in pursuing that side of the business because he's not here. I mean, I don't, I don't trust anybody else to have people, you know, having being out on margin on this stuff and everything. It's a real complicated deal. Well, on the on the other hand, if you have a large account and you're more exposed than you kind of want to be and you say you don't want to use an option or you don't i mean a future is really a great 
tool because you don't have to you know move a thousand shares of stock or whatever or you don't have to move uh it just insane amounts of contracts you could just click the future and be done in one in right one click so on the large account size that really makes a lot of sense say if you want to hedge uh equities or bonds or something that's very deep and very liquid especially like currency or treasury options those are those are a good instrument for large accounts because it lets you click once instead of trying to move you know 10 or 20 smaller contracts and you get run over and front run by different dark pools and all all the other market structure inefficient things like that well when when corn was 250 a bushel and a big day was well there, there always were days where if you had a flood or something you'd move 30 cents you had to limit up or limit down but by and large i mean you could you could go along well what, what was the margin on a, a corn contract was two thousand bucks right so yeah i'll just explain how futures margins work it's different than on the security side because there's no initial and maintenance there's only one right so yeah so if, if I, you intend to hold positions overnight um especially these leverage positions, you're expected to post capital. And what that means is just you have an account, kind of like a bank account, and your account has to have a minimum balance. Right. And with a minimum balance, you know, that goes up as you trade more number of contracts. So if you want to trade, say, 10,000 bushels of corn, they don't make you put up all the money for 10,000 bushels of corn. Say they make you put up the money for uh, 30% of it or something like that. And that way you have access to those. But if it, if your position goes down or goes against you, you know they'll they'll take it out of that deposit that you have, and then make you put up more. <laughs> to well, yeah. But it's uh it's better because you don't have to post as much money because the clearing firm is is behind you on that one. Well, it's it's a snapshot at the end of the day, which is different than on the security side for retail people. But just say for instance, if you wanted to buy. Thousand shares of IBM, which is trading uh, what's now again this morning, one twenty nine seventy, say one thirty. So we don't do a lot of this business, but obviously we can. Uh, this is this is a lot of the re- the uh, online people do this. So if somebody just wanted to buy a thousand shares of IBM, by the way, we would love the business. Uh, you only really have to send us a check for sixty five grand for half of it. Now the difference is, if it drops two bucks today, you don't have to send us any more money. There, that the initial margin is fifty. The maintenance margin is 30. So only when your equity becomes 30% of the position, not 50, uh, do you have to send us more money. But we'll say we'll say corn is three bucks a bushel. You buy one bushel or one contract is 5,000 bushels, right? Yeah. Which is roughly a railroad car. I mean, you say, why 5,000 bushels? It's a railroad car, right? Yeah. I made that mistake, actually, of asking that on the trading floor when I was first there. And oh, I got yeah. the biggest eye rolls you would ever see. Oh, yeah. But that's why, like, one, one contract of... Uh, of uh, sugar is is a railroad car. When one one you know one contract of cocoa is a railroad car. I mean that's the way they work. And uh, so, but your your margin on that would be two thousand bucks. So say corn's three dollars, and you got five thousand bushels. If it goes down a penny, that's fifty bucks, right? So if you only gave PTI two thousand bucks, we'd be hitting you up for the other fifty, because now you only have nineteen fifty in your account, and the margin's two thousand, right? Yeah. Um, on our side you're expected to post uh, during the daily for trading during the day and then additional for at night. So if soybeans are, say, $15 um, and the contract is 5,000 bushels, 
you know, instead of posting that $75,000, maybe you're expected to put up 12 or, or 15, and then you're allowed to uh, hold one contract overnight. Right. Because in on our side, uh, we're limited in our... Your side, meaning the firm side or the trader side? The, the futures side. Yeah. Um, they will stop the contract from trading, the futures contract from trading at, a, say, you know, a uh, $1 limit or something. So in theory, the most your account will move that in one day will be uh, $1 times 5,000 5, uh, bushels. So that's you're down, say, five grand, but you have posted 15, so the exchange says, you know, that's okay. And on the other side of that, um, you are given credit towards... Uh, there's taxes you're given some credit towards capital gains instead because you have margin posted. They view it kind of like an investment. So you pay a blend of ordinary income and capital gains on on uh, futures with margin posted. So that's another reason that some people, you know, especially with large uh, accounts, would use futures rather than options. All right, well, though this is the long story to get there. Another question is we have places like FTX, which you can see on the umpire's shirt. Just love crypto. Yeah, Jeez. they just, you know. But, I mean, I, I think that there there could be as much, well, hundreds of billions that are buried there. And my, my concern, uh, Greg, is I, I, this, this goes back to 2008 fiasco and other places. Whenever the, the Fed doesn't know where the dangers are, we, the people, are in trouble. They somehow... Do they ever know? I'm, they should. I'm some somewhat on the opposite end of you here. They should, but I don't. It's my opinion that they re- never have and never will know. So their best guess just kind well, of. Why, well, why do we? God, how can I be, I'm be an ass here in a Why do we pay these people? We, I mean, we'd like we pay for what we th- want them to say to us. But we don't. We don't want. We so would like to when we buy the get the best and brightest, which maybe we don't do. Maybe we get the people that are willing to do what we tell them to do. Wherever, whoever we's are, but I mean the the thing in two thousand seven, two thousand eight. The thing that frosts me is, I I you know I smelled kind of a rat, but I, you know it's not like I made a movie about it because you couldn't really short mortgages. Michael Burry. Yeah, I mean you yeah. can't you know whatever. But you I mean you, you could have shorted and you could have shorted Bear Stearns, I guess. And actually, we did get a heads up because one of our clients was one of the first people to lose a million dollars at Bear Stearns like six months before any of this happened. So we should have. But I had no idea that, that the firm was in trouble. I just know that I just thought he was in the wrong stuff. Anyway, but uh, you and I would never, you know. Well, I, we're used to fantasy land in that we're lit markets. We're very transparent. We're very open. Um, it's the best of of the worlds in terms of transparency. Right. And that was the opposite. And that was the opposite on purpose. And they kept those books closed to to customers to even their internal their own firms they didn't realize the yeah, it was like it was almost like an enron situation right? right so you know we'd like to think that we can be smart and pay and secure you know this is some kind of if we pay enough that we can control the markets but that's fantasy I mean, I, i'm not i'm not talking about control what i'm saying is the there was a, a the rat that i smelled because somebody wrote a nice article and some one of the listeners nice enough to send it to me because John and I were on at the time, I think we were on the score. But uh, the part about the mortgages going to people who couldn't necessarily afford them, well, that's happening right now because you've got 
406,000 is now the new median for a home. And I'm going to say that 90% of the population cannot afford a house that size. Well, can't, can't we it. figure out the, well, what I'm saying, the average salary? No, what I'm saying, but that's, I'm saying that's not, that part of it you and I can look at, all right? But this time, I don't think, but at that time, there was such a push of money where people were borrowing money in Japan at 2% and buying these mortgages at 6%. I met a pharmaceutical rep that had five houses. Yeah. She was, you know, traveling around the country. She had five houses and, uh, and... I think three tenants or something, and lived in two of them. And you were after, and she told you to buzz off. <laughs> and I, I just couldn't believe it. Said, "How, you know, are you uh, going to turn real estate full time or something?" And no, this is what we do, you know. Well, we were out. Doctor Jake, one of his wife said, some daughter of some friend of theirs. She was a, uh, well, I was going to say stewardess, a flight attendant. She had two houses. She was turning. Yeah, but anyway, why not? But, but you and I knew that, but we didn't know. That there was thirty dollars worth of margin on top of every dollar that maybe shouldn't have been given in the first place. That was the, that was why the place only went, almost went down was the margin on top of it. But the Fed is the only place I think that should know where every dollar comes from. They should know that that kind of money was flying overseas and buying this stuff. You and I would never know that, Chief. All they know is that after they retire from the Fed, is they're going to get into Citadel, they're going to get into uh, Pimco, or they're going to walk into Carlyle Group and get a decent job. And and that's maybe it'll be like Janet Yellen, where she got seven million dollars in consulting fees from the people she's supposed to regulate. Well, when she yeah, was, great. And then she got another job. But that's what we have to expect, or that's what we've seen, and that's what we have to, at least as a trader, that you just expect more of the same. So I'm I'm when you say we should, you know, okay, but well, but if this is never going to change, it's I don't know how many more of these crises we can handle. We can handle as many as the market will give us. And right now, the dollar is up like 15%. In yeah. <laughs> they love it. Well, yeah, your dollar is uh, 0.997 now. It's as low as we've seen it. Yeah. But my, my question is, if anybody, if anybody should know how much the margin is flying around on the Bitcoin and stuff, they should know. And I'll bet they don't. Or, don't, or they have no way of dealing with it. But if that thing collapses in MicroStrategy and some of these other places... I think there's enough money there to really hurt the market if it if it collapses. Yeah, I'm I'm indifferent on that stuff. I'm I'm just paying well, but I, it's okay. I mean, it, it bothers me because I don't know. But clearly, there's some correlation here. But that thing going from twenty two thousand under twenty in the last two days, and the market getting hammered. It's not just there's some cor- that thing is now going exactly with the market. Risk assets are yeah are positively correlated with yeah. So what do you uh, what do you make of the the entirety of the speech. I mean, how the guy a year ago said there wasn't any, and now it's front and center. Do you honestly? And the reason why the market, I think, is sort of messed up. I don't think anybody. There was a guy, and right before he talked, he basically said he was with some big, big, you know, fund. He goes, "I don't care what he says. We don't think these guys have the balls to basically do what they say they're going to do. They're not. They're not going to do this before an election." Well, I'm. I'm of the opinion that. Whatever has happened before kind of will continue until there's a, a market, it, until the market stops it. So if they did it wrong before and the market went with it, and now, now my opinion is it's, they're going to do exactly the same thing, only the other way. So they're probably going to just, you know, tighten, 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 tighten until it's five years too late. And then, you know, we're in the other situation. Well, my, my experience on this, and I bet I could go toe-to-toe with any one of those people on the inflation because that's what I learned in school and that's what I dealt with at Pullman. Um, I'm going to say that the 
there's such a laggy. If they look at these numbers, there's such lagging numbers that the policy is terrible. But hey, well, we still have a couple of minutes. Why these? Uh, who? Uh, boy, talk about page two. Let's talk about this corn yield a little bit. Um, who's who's pro farmer? The USDA, we know who that is, but who's pro farmer? Um, they put together a team and they go through. Uh, they go through a few states and they do their estimates and they call it the pro farmer crop tour and they put out estimates side by side and it's more recent than the latest USDA so they're they're close but uh the crop tour the pro farmer crop tour which is not government but it is uh it's it's just another piece to kind of help you figure out what's well they, going. they showed up with uh last year the the total bushels per acre of the whole mess a corn the corn area is 177 which um, had to be pretty close to the record, I gotta believe. Correctly. Yeah, and this uh, year, this year they're talking 168. But so that was pro farmer said 168. USDA was saying 175. But that was two weeks before. Yes, yes. But some so, areas, um, South Dakota, uh, last year 135, this year 122. So that can't be good. They didn't get any rain or what? Yeah, the weather really, really messed with some of those those uh, yields because they were late in, and then they had super uh super high heat and it it knocked those yields down but and every every everybody except uh well illinois Minnesota is up illinois and iowa did did pretty well so you know we we saw close to 200 i think it was yeah. 198 in indiana illinois. they're down 18 bushels an acre that's a lot yeah and that's i think mostly related to the heat because we had uh, above average temperatures for probably three weeks. Nebraska, whack whack. Last last year one ninety four. This year one sixty four. Yeah, yeah. Is there can there be quality issues as well? What happens is they start. Uh, I don't know what it's called. It's where they kind of bend in the middle, and the the uh, corn gets smaller, so the ears get smaller, so the yield is actually uh, severely impacted. If say all of your corn is has smaller ears, like that, that's a big problem when you come to uh the end when you're looking at so it looks like ohio indiana and nebraska are all for stunken south dakota really bad and uh and but somehow or another illinois and iowa and minnesota managed to do as well or better than last year yeah so the yeah. states in the middle did okay and on the ends not so good yeah we 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 got in my opinion uh we got lucky in the middle here in the eastern corn belt now, yeah. soybeans look uh, soybeans fine look pretty much across the board. Yeah. In fact, I always look like a bumper crop. Yeah, the the beans and the corn uh, did did great right in uh, Illinois and Iowa. Now, why is uh, South Dakota was horrible on corn, but they're actually doing pretty good on soybeans? It's it's all location, location, eh? Yeah, the the less fertilizers required, and and they it's because it's, soybeans are kind of like a weed, if you look at how they grow and so it's a little bit easier to have harsh weather conditions on the beans than it is for the well, plus corn. if you get them in later i mean if you're thinking about doing corn you got nothing but rain for three weeks you can then go soybeans and have a, a good crop right yeah yeah what's um so yeah i saw one guy out there and he's a he, he like husks this corn and he's measuring it and looking at the grain itself so they actually yeah that makes a big deal on on yield all right we're down 42 bucks uh, Nasdaq's down 164. Uh, are we going to crash today, or are we going to we going to make a stand? It's all dependent on the VIX. If they're taking the VIX up, you know, 25 VIX uh, 
means one and a half percent moves a day. So well, we did, we're at twenty seven sixty pre market. That's pretty high. If we keep going today, we're going to see a thirty vix today. I think. Well, thirty vix means uh, yeah, well one point seven five percent moves a day. Well, that's a lot. One point seven five of what thirty thousand. Well, you know, I did. Uh, I'm not like a big hero here, but for my people, we our, our calls got so far in the money that we ran up so much that normally the put protection we have, I said, look, if they're cheap enough, let's buy puts like way above the call. When I say way above five, six points. The Russell one and the uh, and uh, we actually, I think, I think we were like break even on Friday, which wow. is which is really something. <laughs> uh, some of the stuff, some of the other stuff we have out there, they, this SMH is getting buried as a semiconductor thing. I mean, good thing we got puts on that. I mean, because that thing is just getting down to down to rattle. So is a uh, XLV and a lot of the other stuff people are in. But uh, so that stuff we didn't break even on. But man, it's nice to be close to break even because some of the stuff is just in the in the crap hole. I mean, uh, take a look at the agricultural and, and yeah. uh, fertilizer stocks, and they were outperforming. They were up on Friday. Well, yeah. <laughs> Greg, thank you very much. S and P futures down down forty. Nasdaq futures down one fifty six. So not as bad as it was. We'll be right back. Stacks and Jacks. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to gauge the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other decision. And Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with relevant trade ideas, and equips you with cutting-edge tactics you don't already know. Luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on pursuing life, luxury, and happiness through sports, fitness, travel, food, spirits, music, and a whole lot more. Smart investors don't bet on possibilities, they play the probabilities. Luckbox is $7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get Luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Is your business being challenged by the complexities surrounding healthcare reform or other matters related to human resources management? If so, then Cognos HR can help. A longtime friend and contributor to the Stocks and Jocks radio program, Cognos HR provides its clients with a perfect blend of strategic consulting and day-to-day -day HR management to drive overall improvement in business performance. Companies that join the Cognos HR family are better able to manage healthcare costs, enhance benefit offerings, and improve employee satisfaction by leveraging our access to Fortune 500 benefits. Our innovative onboarding and payroll technology, along with our constant attention to detail, enables us to provide the highest level of quality service to our clients. Now, your time and energy can be focused on generating business and increasing your bottom line. We'll take care of the rest. For more information, call us at 630-401-8810 or search us on the web at CognosHR.com. Cognos HR, innovation and human resources. Licensed in Illinois and Arizona. Hello, this is Tom Howell, the Chief. Confused about investing these days? I suspect you are not alone. Investing was never easy, although at times it may have seemed so. I think one reason behind the current concern, although maybe not explained as such, is how the fluctuation in the American dollar and the associated politics is affecting your investments and your wealth. It may not be enough to make some money in your investments. 
You may need now to make enough to exceed the amount that your leadership is depreciating the value of the dollars you've worked your whole life to accumulate. That same leadership has seen fit to maneuver risk-free interest rates to near zero. Providing positive risk-averse returns in a zero-interest and declining real-wealth environment is by far the toughest assignment I've ever had in my years as a money manager. I'm sure that a lot of you have heard that one way to possibly deal with this problem is to invest in so-called hard currencies like silver and gold, the idea being that they will retain their relative value in the face of devaluation of paper currencies like the dollar. To be honest, I have never been a gold bug. I've always had faith that having enough dollars and a good investment strategy was good enough. Now I'm not so sure. But I do know that if I did invest in gold or silver, I'd want to do it in the same manner as we do with PTI for investments in the market, with defined risk. If you feel the need to invest in gold or silver, we can do it using the same strategies that we use for our protected index program. No matter what you invest in, we feel that you need to know and control your risk. Find us at PTISecurities.com. That's PTISecurities.com. Stocks, jocks, stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. All right, Brain. You don't like me, and I don't like you. But let's just do this, and I can get back to killing you with beer. Yeah, who was that? Sounded like Jan Flanagan, for God's sake. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> SP Futures down 40, NASDAQ Futures down 157, Dow Futures down 279. Not a good morning, especially after the carnage on Friday. Over in Europe, we got the Dex down 170, it's 1.3%. FTSE down 52.7, they're sort of hanging in there. Kekaran down 113, 1.8. In Asia, we got the Nikkei down 762, 2.7, that's a lot. Uh, Shanghai up 4, point, point, uh, point, well, it's 0.1, so not much, almost flat. Hang Seng down 146, but actually over 20,000. 20,023. Uh, bonds up 7 basis points, 3.11. Uh, the Bund up 9 basis points, 1.49. I think that's... I'm not so sure how, what, how high they got the last time, but it's going to be getting up there. Uh, Japan up 3 basis points, 0.25. Wow, they actually moved. Uh, oil up 25 cents, 93.31. Rent up a dime, 101.09. Natural gas up 8 cents, 9.37, so that's up high. Arbob down 5 cents, 280. Uh, gold uh, down 11 bucks, 17.38. Everything's down here this morning. Silver down 34 cents, 18.48. Copper down 11 cents, 3.58. We've got crypto uh, down 189, 19.796. I think it got down to maybe 19.5 this weekend, so up a little bit from there. Uh, we've got the U.S. The dollar down again against the, uh, the euro. The euro now uh, 0.997, so appreciably under a dollar. What do you guys got for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Yeah, good morning. Currently 6.37 a.m. on Monday, August 29th, 2022. Let's get you into sports real quick. Uh, yesterday in the MLB, Cubs lose to Milwaukee Brewers 9-7. On uh, White Sox versus Diamondbacks, Diamondbacks win 3-2. In the NFL, uh, week three of the preseason wrapping up yesterday. On Saturday, though, uh, Bears at Cleveland Browns uh, win 21-20. Uh, Cardinals at Titans, Cardinals lose 26-23. Now for weather in Chicago, uh, currently partly cloudy, 73. 73 degrees, a high of 89, and a low of 69. In Phoenix, clear skies, 87 degrees, a high of 109, wow, and a low of 87. Now for traffic in Chicago. Traffic eastbound on Eisenhower between Wolf Road to Harlem Avenue. Traffic eastbound on the Kennedy between Cumberland to Lawrence Avenue. Traffic westbound on the Dan Ryan between 47th Street to the Jane Byrne Interchange downtown. And finally, traffic northbound on the Stevenson between Illinois Route 171 to South Pulaski Road. That's all I got, Chief. Back to you. Do we have Mr. Flanagan? You do, Tom. Good morning to you. Was you go back to drinking beer? <laughs> was that Homer Simpson on that tape? That was Homer Simpson. <laughs> Homer Simpson, John Flanagan, what's yeah. the... Yeah, what's the... Separated at birth, you know, right? <laughs> <laughs> I like the one where they go, uh, they had their high, high school reunion, they were weighing everybody in or something, and Homer had gained the most weight. 
And they go, what'd you do, Homer? Well, I invented a, a meal between breakfast and brunch or something. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, interesting stuff. The market's collapsing. The, uh, the city's got its issues. We got So I did a, a couple things this uh, uh, weekend, John. One, I, what I, I never do just on principle. But, of course, I did because Audrey kept after me. So I'm going to blame her. Um, I've actually been taking it easy on filling up the Suburban because these prices have been coming down. So I had a half a tank and figured I could make it through the week. Well, all of a sudden, what, there's a there's a fire at the, with the Whiting Refinery or something? Yep. And uh, it's, it's 20%. I'm sure it's, it's got to be at least a quarter of the Chicago blend, I would think, that they make there. Maybe more than that. So I dashed out like one of the morons and filled up the Suburban. You know, with half a tank, I could still put 20 gallons in the thing, right? So, so now I'm full for the first time in a while. So I'm, so I'm hauling around, what, 42 gallons times well, eight and a half pounds a gallon. So what am I? <laughs> I'm hauling around like hundreds of pounds of fuel in the thing, which I probably don't need to do. But there goes your mileage. Yeah, there was. Well, there goes whatever mileage there was in the first place. Um, but actually, I did, Jan, do a little bit of research as we've uh, we've been talking about it. With every guest, we've kind of touched on it. This, this, you know, the, the labor, the shortage. There's jobs all over the place. Nobody wants to work. Nobody does. They can't. You can't hire anybody. Blah blah blah. And I think you and I certainly, uh, Carl, been sort of skeptical of that whole thing in the sense that some of it is not being able to hire people at a price that you think they should work, right? And people have helped wanted signs out there just kind of hoping somebody will walk in and, and work for what you what you think you should pay them type of thing. And maybe not the new market, if that's a credible term. But anyway, I went one of my <clears throat> one of my guys is I go to the food stores out in... Uh, Orland at 7 o'clock on a Sunday morning. Of course, there's never anybody there. So I get a chance to talk to some people. One of the guys, kind of an older dude, and I won't say what store. Um, I say older. I mean, he's in his 60s. Um, I guess he used to work in uh, hotels and as a uh, like a purchasing guy or an inventory guy or somebody you know made sure you had enough stuff for a banquet. And, you know, I don't think he was a purchaser and I don't think he was a cook or anything, but he was somewhere in the middle there and um, the, when the hotel shut down he I guess lost his job and, and now he's working at you know whatever <laughs> you guys will get him back um, we'll get him back anyway so he he uh, he's working at one of the uh, stores out in uh, in Homer Glen and he lives in Tinley and he's a nice enough guy well, evidently, one of his buddies tells him, hey, you know, this hotel downtown, they're getting some more people. And they got an opening for, like, what you uh, used to do. So he goes down there and uh, has a couple of interviews, you know, trots his butt down there. So they decide they're going to offer him a job. And uh, last week, he gets the big, you know, quote, job offer. John, I'll repeat myself a little bit here. You're back. Um <laughs> Anyway, this dude, he's, he's a cashier in one of the stores, and since there's nobody there on a Sunday morning, I always BS with the guy. And I, he was talking to some other dude over here. He kind of is, is looking for another job. Well, he used, to, like, he used to work for a hotel in some administrative capacity in purchasing or inventory or something, something. And he knew how to work, you know, the inventory system. and you know, So he's, anyway, he's good at that, evidently. I mean, who the hell knows? But he, uh, anyway, so now he takes, like, two, three interviews. He goes downtown because now one of these hotels starting to get more business, a few more people in McCormick Place, and they're looking for somebody. And the guy lives in Tinley, you know, he's on Social Security. And so after all this trouble, 
they say, okay, we want to hire you, and here's the salary. Guess how much? I'm, I'm going to say ouch no matter what. <laughs> Give it to me, Tab. 18 bucks an hour. Oh. So he goes, when I said, okay, I'm going to guess you're making 16 Sixteen fifty, right here. And he goes, well, I'm not going to say, but you're pretty much spot on. So they want him to take the train from Tinley, get downtown, hike like a mile to where his hotel is, or take the bus twice a day and work for like a dollar more than he's making now. A mile, two miles from home and likes the people there. It's, per, you know, it's nobody really wants, I guess, well, I mean, he's, you know, he's making some dough there. He's in Social Security. There's no... No cost to park, no cost to anything. He goes, they're out of their mind. He goes, how can I possibly even think about that? Two and a half hours out of my day, and all the hassle with the travel and everything else, plus pay for the train ticket and everything else, for for a dollar more an hour. I mean, what planet he's got? Thirty six grand a year, Jim. How can you expect anybody to work downtown for that? Oh, that is yeah. a full time if they're traveling from somewhere. I mean, so what are what are the rooms downtown now? Uh, when the conventions are here, 600 a night? Uh, uh, that's what, what Matt said last week. Yeah. I, you know, that's like weekend, right? And it might be a little less during the week, but, man, that's... Unless you have a you know, liberal expense account, who's going to pay that? Well, I wonder how many of them... I, I, don't, I mean, I don't know much about hotel management, but uh, how does, like, a Conrad Hilton go from, you know, two or three floors open to five, and all of a sudden they're going to get a machinery convention here, which is, like, the biggest one, right, except for maybe the restaurant show? And uh, they use every they use every building in McCormick Place. How do all of a sudden do you fill all these places up and have enough people to do the beds and everything else? I mean, for God's sake, how do you how do you ramp up for that? You don't yeah, do I, don't, I don't think. Well, they're certainly not in a mode where they can do that very quickly now. I don't think because they've gotten you know beat down so long. Yeah. And it's so difficult for them to plan too. You know, for what's coming in in the next six months or year. Well, I think those guys are right all over the, the convention stuff. I wonder if the in-hotel conventions are, you know, they obviously they have a huge convention hall at the Hyatt. they got a pretty nice one at, in the downstairs at Conrad Hilton. I mean, I mean, hotels have all their own convention centers. I mean, it's only the really big ones that go to McCormick Place, right? Right. Well, this machinery show, have you ever been to that thing? I haven't, Tom. It is, it is really something. <laughs> it, is, it is. All this stuff is working. These massive machines... And they set them up. I don't, think, I don't know how long it takes to set the stuff up, but you have no. I mean, the, the idea when when, I, when Pullman put a machine in, we'd have to pour a foundation for the damn thing. They just put these things on the floor at McCormick Place. You imagine what the what the structural integrity of that place is, where you can put that much weight on those floors. Oh yeah, some tremendous planning. Oh. A lot of concrete, a lot of steel, and uh, but I mean, it's they have and, and none of those guys. They don't, they don't want to take it home. They want people to buy it. It's, it's not like going to the auto show where you just, you know, you put your fanny in the car and you get out where they're not even really for sale. A lot of the other shows, they are. I mean, the boat shows, they, they don't they don't want to take the boats home. They want you to buy it and you drive it home. <laughs> oh, on, a, on a trailer. Um, <laughs> not, just, not just drive it from the lake. But, I mean, this they, they want to take this stuff home. Or they don't want to take it home. One guy had a, he had a lathe, John, so damn big, it had to be 150 feet long. And you got something turning in there, and I go, I go, what in God's name is that thing? And he goes, well, that's like the like the world's biggest lathe that came from the Netherlands or somewhere. And I said, you're not planning on taking that home, are you? The guy goes, oh, no, we already sold it. Some guy wants it. And I go, 
right, there's only one thing you guys can be turning in there. It's got to be a propeller shaft for a shift. The guy goes, good guess. It's exactly what it is. I mean, the thing was massive. But th- these, but they, uh, some of these places like Johnson Controls, I'll bet they have 40 people there, John. You know, with dinners every night and a week of this thing. And, and, it, and they, they intend to make, like, all that money while they're there. I think well, in a good year they do. Convention, convention business, Tom, and McCormick Place, um, you, you probably heard what happened over the weekend with one of these sideshow events down the 25th and King Drive. Oh, yeah. Um, um, you know, it's just not, not so spontaneous overtakings of the public streets for, you know, stylized drag racing. And, you know, that's, you know, two blocks from McCormick Place. And I just, I find it so incredible that, you know, when we're trying to get this stuff back on some kind of a footing here after been de- having been deprived of this income and, you know, the visibility that, that the city, you know, gets by hosting good shows at places like McCormick Place, and you got this working against you. I, mean, I just, you know, something's really out of step here, and the fact that these things are, are happening where they do, uh, it's certainly strategic, I think, in somebody's book. Somebody's got a, a plan for this, but it sure as hell is likely to kill a, a lot of the pistons around places like McCormick Place if you let it get out of hand like this. I don't, uh, somehow or another, I, mean, I know there's a, uh, some attitude that we're all just, you know, we're, just arresting people isn't, hasn't been the issue or hasn't been the solution, and I, somehow along the line here, gents, something seriously is wrong. I mean, our police department, you know, and everybody knows there's always got a softer spot for police than me, me and my dad being one. Uh, how can people from San Francisco and other places drive to Chicago to participate in these things. What we're talking about is people coming all of a sudden block off a whole intersection with cars and in the middle everybody does donuts and as a big as the, the buses try to get through and police try to get through and police show up they're actually fighting the police. And you know it's, it has happened downtown it happened over 19th and Prairie right over by McCormick Place or in uh, somewhere over there in uh, there's 119th in Halsted right and, and and you know in the days before this somebody or some group of people went all along Halsted from like you know 103rd all the way out to 119th and busted all the glass in those expensive bus shelters hmm. um, this is along a heavily traveled bus route you know pace buses city buses and you know, that the cleanup for that alone let alone the demoralizing effect that has on anybody waiting in the shelter that's got you know, Everything busted out, and, it, and then you add this on top of it, and I just think we've we've encouraged a kind of culture where if you can take it over, you, you're going to do it, and you're waiting for the police to do something to stop you, and the, the finger is on them to do just the right job and reining it in, and you know it'd be nice to impound these cars like they've started doing, but that isn't enough time. That clearly isn't going to be much. Well, you have the police response is you don't want police shooting anybody. But yet you, you can't have a billy club. What are you supposed to do? Right. You have the, the lie down in front of the. I mean, yeah. You there's the, absolutely nothing for the police to do except walk away. You're gonna have the lady, the lady police getting in fist fights with people on, on the, without even a billy club <laughs> to protect. Them. What, what are we doing? Well, I, I had to laugh, although in a sardonic way, when the Sun, Sun Times did an article about these phenomena last Friday or Saturday, and they quote these people in the article. You know, we're not bad people. And I guess I would say, well, well, nobody says you are bad people, but you certainly are stupid, and we want you to stop doing this. It's, it's, I don't it's, care if you, yeah. what you call yourself, but, but this is not the kind of 
behavior you can have in a city where you're trying to run emergency vehicles down these streets and buses and everything else and keep them safe and clean. I'm sorry, you know, you got to take this in a place where it doesn't affect people like it does here. Well, the the weird part is, Dan, especially, I, I think if you look at history, now history is somewhat just of a guide. It's obviously not something you can necessarily trade off or... I, hon- I honestly believe one of two things is going to happen. Either so many people just meekly leave the city, which seems like what's happening now, or somebody's going to stand up next to somebody like Lori Lightfoot, who's clueless in my mind, uh, is going to say, this is not going to happen on my watch. I'm going I'm to do whatever I have to do to stop this stuff. Now, if people from San Francisco and other people um, are somehow finding out about these things online and driving all the way here to participate, which is allegedly the story. You don't let police retire at 55. You retrain them to be online people or something if they want to. Otherwise, you give them their first check when they're 65. You don't go home and get a check when you're 55 or 52 or whatever the hell it is. You have these people. So when this happens, you show up. I mean, there was a big report after all the Martin Luther King stuff, the riots and everything. I don't know if you remember that. The court said the only way you can stop these things um, is with overwhelming force right at the beginning. And I, I don't ever want to see that happen, but somehow, someplace, when this happens and everybody blocks off the street, like 50 squads have to show up with billy clubs. Everybody gets arrested. All the cars get impounded. Even the guys blocking the streets, the guy from San Francisco, has to go back on the train or the Greyhound bus because he doesn't have a car anymore. That's what you have to do, John, because it's getting so bold and so, and so and to where they're just, what there really is, it's a total flip-off of any kind of authority, right. which, which is fine. You and I flip off authority all the time, but we don't go out and hurt other people doing it. You know, but, I mean, that, that's America. You, you get to flip off uh, authority by having a, a podcast by having a TV show, by writing a letter, by writing a book. You get to do that. You don't get to do it by screwing with other people. And someday, people are going to say, enough. I'm, I'm, I can't believe it hasn't happened yet. And when you, when you do that, you're going to get a mayor or a governor or a president nobody wants. They might have a little toothbrush mustache or something like that. Mm. But somewhere along the line, that's what's going to happen. I mean, I, you know, my, I, everybody in my family is absolutely outraged that my car got broken into in the garage. You know, how the hell could somebody go over a fence looking for a gun in somebody's car? By the way, I don't have a gun. Um, I mean, this is this is our world. That somebody somebody either found a, a shooting range's address of me or something something, and all of a sudden was. was I mean, th- this is scary. Uh, this is this is way more organized than than people give credit for, John. I agree with you. The police always seem one step behind. Whether whether why they're letting people retire, <clears throat> it looks like they need a, a, a big service county of people someplace where over 100 guys are, are watching all the Internet making sure that they, they're ahead of the crooks. But they're way behind them, aren't they? Oh, God. Well, that, I think back down to 1968 on the, the King riots that you just referred to. You know, King was murdered on a, late on a Thursday afternoon. Um, Friday was it started out as... You know, a normal day. You know, my brother and I went to school. My sister went to school that day. Everything fell apart by about noon when the public schools were shut down prematurely. And we were evacuated out of Mount Carmel High School that afternoon in in an emergency setting. I mean, it's the closest I've ever been to a powder kick like that. The next day, the 
the troops were already, the National Guard was camped in Grant Park at like 8 o'clock in the morning on Saturday. That's how fast Daly moved, you know, to send the, the clearest possible signal that whatever happened Friday night was not going to happen on Saturday. Yet exactly the opposite with Lori Lightfoot, you know, after the stuff from Memorial Day two years ago and then the next episode, she refused to call in the National Guard. Um, you know, I don't know what it would have taken to call them in if, if you... You'd, if she had that kind of a situation, I wouldn't call the guard in. When would she call the guard in? Mm. So she showed whose side she was on, who she was, whose back she really had. And it wasn't the store owners, it wasn't the average citizens. It was everybody else who was creating this mayhem. Who, who wants a mayor? <laughs> who needs a mayor like that? The first thing you have to do is protect protect people. And, and plus, they, all they seem to care about is money, which really is, is strange because... I, you know, but then again, John, you, the, the other part of the story is, and, and you know this, by the way, there was an article I sent out last night about how many, what percentage of uh, store owners can't pay their rent now. Oh, God, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that in the next slide yeah. or time. But it's, uh, I mean, these are things that, that I don't see how this all hangs together here, John, I really don't. I mean, and, uh, it, you, you, you can't have this kind of chaos, you can't have people afraid to dri- ride the L, you can't have people, the investment. What the investment is in an in a L system like ours, a subway system, you, 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 can't, you can't let it go down the rat hole because you're afraid to take losers off the thing. And, you know, in a situation like we've got now where they've already got understaffed buses and you got long waits yeah. and, you know, the bus tracker system isn't working up to snuff, then you add to that street closures that are completely unannounced and illegal. Yeah. To, to make even your bus ride, which is already hellacious, even worse. So. Well, I had my usual ride back from my brother's house in Irving Park last night. I get on the Dan Ryan, and I'm, you know, it's not like I'm, uh, you know, the little lady going 45. I, I, I got the Suburban going 70, and I just look in the rearview mirror for people flying by me at 90 and 100. I mean, one of these days, <laughs> and one, one guy cuts me off on 99th Street, cuts somebody else off. Now, he's got a bash in the back of his car, so he has no taillight. So he doesn't have any lights on. The whole way on the Ryan, he's got no lights on. There was a time you couldn't make it down the Ryan without taillights and not get pulled over. Right. I didn't see one cop, and I probably counted 12 guys going by me minimum 90 miles an hour. Now, we all know that one of these days, somebody's going to say, if you're going over 80 on the Ryan or 85, your car's going to be impounded for at least two weeks while you go to court and straighten this all out. And on, a, and on some weekend, there's going to be 50 cops out there, and there's going to be 100 people impounded, and everybody's going to be bitching a blue streak, and I'm going to be cheering. Yeah, we got to stop it, John. we got to stop it. And, and, we, and there's, there's no hint of it. No hint. You, you can't even see a sweat car. For every missed opportunity to reverse this trend just makes the situation worse and emboldens people to go another two or three miles over the speed limit. Why wouldn't they, in a way? What have they got to lose? They're in a hurry. They're in a hurry. No one's watching. Yeah, nobody, nobody's, and it's, but it, it just, I don't, I don't know where we decided to become, you know, chaos. Because then, then once you reach the point, I'll give you an example, I know we got to break it pretty soon, but the, the, the issue on the trading, trading floor was pretty much self-policed, which isn't, which is a good, which is a good thing, because the, ex- the exchange didn't do a very good job, in my opinion, because there were certain people they didn't want to touch, the firms and whatever, but there were always a, f- a few guys that, you know, there's always been a few bad apples, right, John? Couple guys that follow the brokers out of the out of the out of the uh, booth with the order, and then of course there were some people that you know traded in the booths. That of course the exchange would never track down. 
because they were the right guys. But it was very, very minimal, very minimal. But you just, you got this in your head that what if what if you had a trading floor that all people did was wait where the booths are. Every time somebody came out with an order, 20 people sprinted after them into the crowd and mus- <laughs> muscled with the guys in the crowd and everything. Every single order was a, was a, was a fist fight. I mean, that, 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 you, you just sit there and go, you, you can't do business like that. I mean, nobody would, nobody would do business here. Yet, that's exactly what we're seeing here in the city. If you're not cheating, you're not trying, right? If you're not, if you're not, you know, if you're not speeding, you're getting, you're getting run over from behind. I mean, it's everything, everywhere you look. <clears throat> and then, meanwhile, they run an eight-car train down the middle of the Ryan last night. There couldn't have been more than one, one person per car. You know, I'd like to be that one person. Too. Yeah, I was like, well, if it's just one person, it's okay. I, if I'm in a car, if I get on that thing and I had to ride it, I'd rather be the one person. I'm not going to rob myself, you know. I'd rather be sitting right next to the motorman too. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but what's he going to do? I mean, they, t- they took the middle guy out. They took the uh, the conductor out. The guy who opened the doors and stuff. I'd just rather be there than in the eighth car. You know, when you got eight empty cars between you, seven empty cars between you and any living person. Well. You know, but here's the weird thing. When when the CTA went from him, for those that don't know, there used to be a motorman in the front. In the middle, as you as you see the cars, you'll see this like set of you know keys you can put in there. And well, there was a guy in the middle that used to was in charge of making sure all the people were in before he closed the door and stuff. The motorman didn't do that, so it was in the middle, so you could look up and down. It was a lot safer than the motorman looking down all eight cars. But so the CTA got rid of all those guys to save expenses. I'm going to say, John, they probably picked up almost as many people in administrative that don't do anything. And I'm going to say that they, their costs are no lower than when they laid all those people off. No, I'm sure they're much higher. Any savings from yeah. that is, is long gone. Long gone. SP Futures down 36, and the SP Futures down 144. We're actually making a stand here. We were down as much as 45. Be right back, Stocks and Jacks. This self-directed trading is a lonely job. Online trading is not as easy as point and click. No, it's not. Everyone, even professionals, need to share ideas and think out loud every now and then. That's what I like about PTI Pro Direct. Their staff of former option floor traders really helps me choose the right strategy for trading option volatility and plan the time decay for my covered writing program. Yep, nothing can replace years of trading experience to stop you from making that dumb trade and for saving a few bucks. We've all been there and done that. <laughs> yeah, I have access to all that great trading advice and experience for just a penny a share for stocks, $1 for equity options, and $1 minimum a trade. Our clients at PTI ProDirect can call when they need a little help on a trade or just to talk about the market in general. We trade every day. We love this stuff. That's what I like most about PTI ProDirect. Cheap prices along with great advice from real floor traders. It's the best of both worlds. Tell your friends. That's PTIProDirect.com. PTIProDirect.com. Are you one of the millions of people who suffer with pain? Do you wake up in the morning with stiffness in the lower back or neck? Why are you using medication to cover up the symptoms without treating the actual cause? Painkillers, muscle relaxants, and anti-inflammatories are not the answer. At ChiroMed, physicians are trained to detect the cause of your symptoms and to correct the underlying problem. If you're ready to listen to common sense and do what it takes to make changes in your body that can affect your health for the rest of your life, 
Give ChiroMed a call and set up a complimentary consultation. They are located in Orland Park and can be reached at 708-403-2727. 20,000 patients over 22 years have been treated at ChiroMed and over 90% of them have had positive results without medication or expensive surgery. Isn't it time you did something good for your body too? Give ChiroMed a call, 708-403-2727. That's 708-403-2727. Let's get you pain-free and living again. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate this summer, could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates and a good inventory make adding bricks and mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Here, right now. I think you just became my personal hero. I don't know if I might. There we go. Mr. Matt Byrne on the board. Uh, I'm going to ask Mr. Matt Byrne um, and, your, and your confidant over there, Andrew, have you ever read the lyrics of this song all the way through? Uh, were, you sure. on, were you on LSD when you did? <laughs> Me? No way. Not a chance. Me neither, but I think the person who wrote it might have been. I think you're uh, Eric Clapton and his bunch did. This is so, uh, a good chance. Cream, right? Yeah. Cream, yes. Well, the other one is... Uh, What's the one from the Moody Blues? White something something. Oh, my white, God. white satin. Uh, right, yeah, White Bird. White Bird. Oh, it's a beautiful day, White Bird. Yeah, yeah. but the uh, good. But all these things have the, the. You read these things and you go, God, who wrote this stuff? You know, a white room with play curtains at the station. What the hell is that? You got to sample what they were. Poetic image. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> What the, there's a Moody Blues one. It's just as crazy, Jan. What's the, what, which one am I thinking of? <laughs> anyway. Uh, yeah, you're right, right? They're all yeah, you have to credit LSD with doing some things, I guess, positive in the culture. It gave us all those great lyrics. Oh, I know. <laughs> I'm sitting there reading. I, I, don't even know what, I have no idea what they're talking about. It was like, <laughs> in fact, the other day I got sent a thing about uh, um, American Pie and what oh, all this yeah. stuff means. You yeah, know, it's and all uh, about a uh, 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 Richie Valen. Uh, no, yeah, Richie Havens, my bad. No, Richie uh, Rich, was Richie, Richie the Big Valen, Bopper, yeah, the Big, Big Bopper, Bopper, and uh, uh, Buddy Holly. And Buddy Holly. Yeah, that was the day the music died. Yeah, mm. and uh, those were those are uh, anyway crazy yeah. stuff. But uh, John, uh, as I report on this every week, and it gets worse by the week, as everybody keeps talking about how I don't see how these people keep talking about how what great state the consumer is in. I give this savings per family number. Again, it's an imperfect number. We're, we're, we're very close now. We're down to eight, $8,037 a family. Three weeks ago, it was what, 9200 Yep. So what's a... 
There's eight. Where will it be in, in you know in two weeks? Yeah. Or, or two months. There's eighty million families in this country, roughly. So, a thousand dollars is is what eight hundred billion dollars. Yeah. Out of, out of out of savings in a month and a half. On top of that, Tom, think about this. No, wait a minute. It's eight, eighty billion. Eight, again, the attempt to yeah. shave off some of the student loan debt that's you know got got the stage at the moment. How little effect that has on somebody with two hundred thousand in student loan debt for starters, and how much it costs to even do that little. <laughs> this is what's so completely insane about all of this. It isn't like anybody's going to be solvent. It isn't like they're going to be be able to put anything more into savings because of, of whatever has been shaped off of the student loan debt. Um, and yet w- what everybody is paying for in making that happen just makes the situation worse. I, I just I can't see any plus side to it at all. Well, Jan, when uh, Manny and I, I don't want to say we weren't, didn't first start the show, was, we were doing it like 12 years, so it's, it's, we were into it a little ways. I don't know, I don't know when I, guess I can go back on this debt clock here, but... I'm sure I could find it a little research, but I can do it while we're on. We're supposed to be talking about something intelligent. Uh, the The debt used to be, personal debt used to not, they didn't break out student loan versus credit card. All right, and then, then one day they did, and they both were like close to a trillion dollars. And student loan debt, I'm going to say six, seven years ago, went past credit card debt like for the first time. And now, according to this, student loan debt is a trillion seven seven, credit card debt's a trillion one three. So credit card has not grown all that much. It's grown some. It's been growing recently at an alarming rate, which is unfortunate. But student loan debt has just continued to go. And I, there's several ways that these guys I think could have done this a lot differently, John. Because I, I really do believe that this that the uh, uh, these people have. Considering the fact that the Fed, now that they're going after inflation, allegedly like a terrier after a bone, they were doing the same thing before with making sure interest rates were zero for certain people. And my, the, my biggest bitch with these guys from day one and ladies, they never cared to force it down the chain to where you and I paid less interest. Credit card debt went up. It actually went up over a period of time. Interest, or at least didn't go down. I don't know how much it went up, but it went, at least didn't go down. But now student loan debt back before Obama combined the, the private and the government, what were most people paying? Six, six and a half? Meanwhile, you're driving your interest rates down to zero. I don't see how you couldn't have uh, figured out a way to drive those down. I mean, so I would I would clearly think that we've been screwing these people for the last 15 years to rebate a 1% or 2% interest on everybody for the last, if we had the money, for the last 10 years. I could roll with that. Plus, I really think that there are an awful lot of debt uh, uh, debts out there that aren't even the people. They're people that co-signed for God's sake, and the people are dead. I mean, uh, I mean, nothing, nothing gets you out of student loan debt, right? I mean, nope. disability. No. So, I, I'm, I think if you cleaned up anything other than five grand on people with d- disabilities and ever, and you fired all the people who were going after them in the collection agencies, it's probably a very positive thing, right? I mean, if you just clean up all the little ones in some way or, or, or make it dischargeable in bankruptcy, they must have a list of, you know, 10,000 people 
that are on disability and can't pay these things. We'll, we'll wipe it off for those. But do, do something, Jen, other than what they did. I'm not saying they shouldn't do something because I think we've eviscerated our student population over the last 20 years with this stuff. I think we need to do something. But if somebody, say, well, Matt Weber paid, well, paid off a long time ago, but say we know somebody who just finished paying theirs off last week. Well, if we drop the percent or two, they shouldn't get, quote, screwed. If you take the interest back a ways, they should get a check, right? They overpaid. Yep. So, I mean, if you're going to do something, do it in a much fairer way. I would say, okay, have it dischargeable in bankruptcy. Most people don't want to declare bankruptcy. Um, have it such that take a, a long look at all the ones that are under $5,000 and are we really sending collections agencies after these people. We could probably save money by getting those off the books, right? Right. Um, do, do, it in, do it in an intelligent way. Don't do not this bombastic crap that these guys come out with. You know, here's what we're going to do and then and, and count it up afterward. I mean, it... That's how we've been doing government now for how many presidents? About seven in a row? It's always a fair way. You yeah. Know, from what it seems like the government is, is on, you know, some steamroller to get accomplished. There, there's nothing fair about this stunt in my book at all. I mean, it, 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 it really, it's just, it, the government sums its nose at everybody who paid their debts and, you know, didn't take out loans in the first place or was smarter about how m- much they borrowed to do this. Um, here you got reckless people, many of them, you know, borrowed way much more money than they ever had any expectation they could get a job to help pay them these debts back. There's absolutely no sense to it at all. And they've now done this blanket kind of one-size-fits-all method which doesn't take into any account any of the stuff you mentioned as, as a fairer way of going about it. So you end up with a really costly program that has all this unfairness now built into it. And this is the fact that we can't pay for it is like even farther down the list than I'm making it sound. But um, just, just if you're going to do something like this, why not make it fair? Well, plus you, the, the, the idea, the, the problem is that the student loan program is what's allowed colleges to raise their rates to where right. nobody can pay for them. So you didn't, you didn't attack that at all. It's like Obamacare, not, not attacking any of the costs in the system, just shifting around who pays for it. Doesn't get, doesn't get you anywhere. Well, it, you, know, you have to really think that that coupled with things like Obamacare and other you know, crazy ideas did nothing more than really pin people to the wall. It's the people who were least able to afford these things you know, in the first place are now getting dinged again by having to pay for everybody else's. <laughs> but the weird part, John, and this is the one thing I, well, I learned a few things when I was on the board of the CBOE, is that, is that individual people, whatever, God, I hate to say this, it's almost like going to get me in trouble, whatever, whatever level, level in the caste, let's go back to the caste system, whatever level you are, you almost can't understand the, the the amount of stealing that goes on two or three levels above you. You don't understand it. You don't know who the people are. You ignore it. But if so, somebody's getting away with something at your level, it frosts the hell out of you. I mean, like if, you, if you're on the board and we're talking about people, you know, you did some stuff, business conduct appeals once in a while, got to the board, not very often, but but you'd hear about them. You'd, you'd hear about you know, schedule cases that were settled and things like that. And if, and if you found about, if you found some firm like say, messed didn't mess up purposely, screwed up an order to where the firm got to participate when they shouldn't have, and maybe they screwed their client out of, you know, ten grand on a trade or something like that or five grand. Well, 
Yeah, in most places that's a felony. But you weren't you weren't you. But if somebody from the, the guys on the trading floor that were on the board, like me, most of them. I mean, I, you know, I've been higher up the chain at other places, so uh, I'd say you know we, we we don't we can't really do this, which didn't make me all that popular. But say say Matt Byrne, you know, and he's a sneaky kind of guy. No sneaky man. Yeah, all of a sudden he's 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 position limit at the time was two thousand. So, you know, and, and we didn't have computers during the day to keep track, so you had to keep track of your own position. So if he snuck in at like two thousand and five one night, oh god, they're gonna they're gonna find him, you know, five hundred bucks. Well, the next night he's two thousand and two. You're not you're not hurting anybody. <laughs> Who gives a crap? Right? Well, they, I mean, but all of a sudden, if it's three times, all the guys on the board that were like traders, oh man, we gotta like really spank this guy because. He's a recidivist now. He didn't carry. He's thumbing his nose at the system. We got to make sure we get this guy back in line. Well, that's what we've done with the student loan debt. We've created hatred between the person who just paid it off a year ago and the guy that stole his nine grand and now doesn't know anything. But it totally <laughs> obfuscates the people that are getting fortunes out of these last two bills in the tunes of like billions of dollars being handed to companies. And, thing, and, and tax dodges and you name it, what else? So we don't we don't expect us, the rabble, to understand that, care about it. And now we've given something else to bitch about, something that we can bitch about on our level. Hey, Joe down the block just got his four grand. Mildred, how come we paid our last four grand? This sucks, right? But isn't that where we're at on this? Yeah. Well, how many other things can you point to that have exactly the same effect? Yeah. Of just pitting. Innocent people against innocent people, or maybe somewhat guilty people against somewhat innocent. But it, but it's about distracting people from the real crimes at hand. <laughs> yeah, I mean so. But I mean, but most people don't have any. I mean, like I, I you know, I, I will tell you that for me, um, it, you know, it bothers the hell out of me having to drive home with people acting like idiots because they're liable to run into me, <laughs> right? So so obviously I care about it more than if I'm not there. Right, but then the minute somebody gets pulled over at eighty-five, they're going to say, "Hey, the other guy's going ninety. What are you pulling me over for?" Right? I mean, everybody's going eighty-five. You know, so well, you know, if, if they keep you, you know, occupied enough with just fighting off the, the people who are out to get you, <laughs> then you you aren't going to care too much about the, the people who are way above you were skating by with absolutely no threat from from any corner at all. You think about when the, when the IRS agents get empowered to go after you and me, Tom. <laughs> And everybody else, yeah. an income bracket close to us, all it's going to do is make us, you know, have to go out and spend money on attorneys and tax consultants to defend off these, you know, insects that are preying on us. While the real theft that's going to happen is going on blissfully, you know, unaware to us at a level that we can't even see anymore. So but, and, and when, you, but you, it, you but mess with people enough, you take their minds and their energies away from what you re- you really couldn't bear to have them look into. But but look at how. You know, the idea of you go to the airport and your plane's canceled, all right, which is happening all over the place. Does anybody really care to drag the United and American chairman up in front of, like, a, a, I won't say a firing squad, but a, a, a tomato, a dunking, dunking booth and say, mm-hmm. okay, we gave you guys X billion dollars to keep people on staff. First thing you did was force everybody in retirement and lay some other people off to where you're down 40,000 people since the beginning of COVID. We just gave you all kinds of money to pay for those people. Where the money go? Now they're not here, and, no, and the people can't fly. I mean, what's the deal? But that's that's way above <coughs> most people's pay grade, Jen. But but the guy down the block getting forgiven two thousand on a loan when you paid yours—that those are fight words. 
Well, and, and you get somebody like like the Secretary of Transportation Buttigieg, and he borrowed a word from you know, the, the popular playbook that seems to be making its rounds. All the you know, flight cancellations, that's just unacceptable. What the airlines should be doing is they should be making more provisions for people who, whose travel plans are disrupted, give them you know, food vouchers, lodging. You know, why not attack the problem where it is? But they're not going to... Making this out of the system now. What, what kind of unacceptable are we talking about here? But they're not going to uh, have a temporary raise in the retirement age. They're not going to you know, lengthen re- retirement or, you know, dates or, or bring people back in and retool them. None of that is, is even mentioned. No, there's, there's no solution. accounting for the money they got yeah. that they didn't, you know, that they pocketed, apparently. Uh, that's never even in the conversation. No, hey, uh, this this uh, article I sent you by Eric Rosenbaum from the CNBC, it's actually pretty well done. The rent crisis on Main Street just took a turn for the worst. Um, you watch what's happening, John, and you see, I, I think the economy, i got to hope I'm wrong, I think the economy is absolutely in a tailspin right now. I mean, in, in it's, terms it's of almost dead weight when I look around certain places now, Tom, where I, I just see signs of, of nothing starting. Yep. Or, 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 or just you know, people hanging on by threads. There's new buildings around me here on the northwest side, brand new five, six-story apartment buildings with, you know, beautiful storefront space all along busy arterial streets. Everything's got paper in the windows. It's been that way for a year now. No sign of anybody nibbling on any of this stuff and a lot of the existing buildings you know have this ever more vacancies just in, in my you know toolings around businesses that used to be there maybe they were marginal businesses mattress stores or five and time kind of places are gone There's, i don't see anybody you know in a rush to replace them i'm sure those buildings are just they're not even making the goal of it with the, with the rents they're trying to charge the, the you know the residential tenants on the upper floors and whatever they can't get from them, they're trying to get out of the businesses on the first floor with the prime space, and there aren't enough people around with that kind of money to pay. So, well, here we're Jan and I are talking a about setup, and I, and I mean it, it really is now just sort of reached. It's like it's, it's reached peak altitude, and it's now falling at a pretty rapid rate. I think. Well, look at the the conclusions this gentleman comes to. Key points: Our recent inflation data shows that rental prices across the U.S. are finally easing. But on Main Street, it's a different story, with small business owners increasingly unable to make full rent payments, according to a survey from Atlanta. Well, a lot of this comes down, John, is that people cut deals during COVID, and maybe even some of the landlords might have got some money, um, and now all that's over. So small businesses are caught in an inflation compounding effect, with prices for inputs, labor, transportation, energy, all cutting into margins, while rent prices soared too. And now landlords are pressing the most since COVID began for full payments as the economy cools and sales slow. So right now, people, the, all your all your breaks are sort of ending. There are options from negotiating with landlords who don't want em- empty storefronts to B two B owners make a decision to go fully remote. But who are these guys in here? They talk about this outfit, uh, Alignable. Uh, according to a new s- national survey of small business owners by Alignable, uh, do you know who those guys are? Jan? No, it's it's a data producer that I don't I don't know about. Um, but they're quoted you know frequently in that article. But uh, they they claim that. In the last month, forty percent of all people, all these little storefronts nationwide, have not paid full rent. It's yeah. up. It's up six thousand and six percent in one month, which is a massive rest. The forty uh, percent of small business owners cannot afford August rent, up six percent. That that's really something. The article suggests too that you know business owners, you know, 
storefront re, you know, retail rental spaces um, are, have inflationary pressures just like everybody else does, but they're compounded in whatever goods they have to get in and do what they do to sell them. And their costs of just keeping the doors open, if you're a restaurant and your food costs have skyrocketed, what fuel costs, whatever else, you, you see it in ways in a small business that, that you can kind of expect to be delayed or softened somewhat in a household economy situation. And I think the article suggests that whatever is hurting consumers now in trying to come up with their rent every month for an apartment is compounded if you got a business because you're getting beat up from a lot more directions. Um, and you, you'll still maybe have a place to live, but you're going to chuck the business you're trying to keep afloat because there's just no money in it anymore. Well, Jan, there's uh, the one thing that, that's, well, it, it's dirty about economics because it's, it's, it's as subtle as a train wreck, but it's, it's also fascinating, and why, why I like the subject is everything really does depend on everything else eventually. And, and uh, one of the conversations I have with my buddy uh, Butcher Al, he's been on the show a couple of times with his nose restaurant stuff back and forward. He's been fine dining. He's been everything you want. And, uh, and he'll teach you how to butcher anything because he knows how to do all that, uh, which I never really cared to go learn. But anyway, some people do. He has classes for that, and people pay him to go. Anyway, John, it's a story. But uh, he was telling me that he, they couldn't hire people. This is long before COVID when prices started to creep up a little bit. He said, we can't, I, can't, I can't find uh, people to work in a restaurant. And I said, well, uh, how much are you paying? So I'm paying 10 bucks. That's the going rate. And I said, well, what if you paid 12 Because I could, I could have all kinds of people. <laughs> he said, but I, can't, but I can't pay 12 because, you know, everything is this, everything is apportioned out. There's the leases, there's that. And I said, well, let me ask you this. If you knew you had to pay 12 would you have signed that lease? And he said, well, hell no. So th- everything depends. It's, it's all the, the price of the inputs. Yeah? And every time you... You, you make a business decision, you say to yourself, okay, say you're building a railroad car, which, I've, which I'm, you know, more familiar with, although it's not as more complicated putting together a plate of linguine, but, but still, there's, there's how much are you going to, you, do you pay for this, do you pay for that, and oh, by the way, I, I, based on this profit margin, uh, this is what the guy wants for the factory or how much I have to pay to buy the factory, it looks to me like I can... I can pay that money and still make some dough, and at the end of the day, I got some left. Or whether it's, you know, you're making linguine or you got to borrow your servant beers, whatever it is, and everything ties together. And for a long period of time, labor was was as my grandmother used to say, the part that went over the fence last. Now, for ten years, you could get a busboy for ten bucks, right, or twenty years maybe, and uh, you know, plus a few tips or dishwasher or whatever, and and these people could afford these, you know, pretty huge leases. Because everybody down the chain was making nothing, right? Well, all of a sudden they stir, and that area says, well, "Okay, we want twenty percent more because we haven't got a raise in a decade." And all of a sudden the owner is shuddering. It's the price of labor. Yet, really, if if the if the lease was twenty percent less, everything would be okay, right? right. Or, right. So so one group had it all their way for what? How many decades? I mean, uh, you know, the the lessors had had it their way, and all of a sudden. It's not their way anymore. There's a place uh, by me. It was at, it was at uh, uh, Clybourne and Racine. It was a what, the, what was the place where they they give you the omelets on the sizzling plate or whatever? Uh, one of those places. And but incredible place. Lines out the door for for Sundays, whatever, whatever. All of a sudden, they ra- the, the place closes. 
so I say to Nick, my buddy at the Tripoli, so Nick, what's going on? He goes, they wanted 15 grand a month from the guy. He goes, that's a hell of a lot of omelets. You, you, you can't make any... Every, everybody who owns a restaurant or whatever that I know of, you, you can never make any money because the minute, if you don't own the place, the minute you make any dough, they just raise the lease. Right? Tom, I'm going to say, too, that you know our, our second sum of tax bills for 2021 are delayed in Cook County. For how long? Nobody yeah. seems willing to say. But, but when those bills come out, what we've been talking about here is going to explode. Because <laughs> you'll see so many more landlords who realize they can't hang on to these buildings, maybe, period, at all. Or if they have a hope of doing it, they're going to have to double the rent of a lot of their key tenants and, and hope the chips fall somewhere where they can find somebody to pay that. But a lot of the people who've gotten you know, screwed already in this kind of deal are going to say, the heck with it, this is time to hang it up. And you're, I think you're going to see business closures like we can't even imagine. Well, here, the rents are interesting on the top here. 40% they can't afford are agriculture. A lot of people are renting farms and stuff. Yep. Uh, non-profits, I would guess that. i got to believe that the contributions are way down. Wouldn't you? Oh, yeah, yeah. Third is restaurants. And now, how could restaurants, and when you think about it, what a restaurant, make, make sure you, you always understand that how many of them never reopened. Right. Time to get the Art Institute now in Chicago that always prided itself. It was only closed on Christmas Day. You know, that was the only day they didn't open for business at different hours. But now it's closed two days a week because mm. they said they just don't ha- they don't have people coming in, and and they haven't really been able to cut their membership rates or attendance fees or prices in the bookstore or, or anything else because even what they're making now isn't enough to keep them afloat. No. They've got to cut back on their hours. No, we need a uh, we only have a couple minutes here, but is is the f- is two minutes? Is the Fed a tax this? Uh, Jen, Spoo's rolling down thirty two now. Uh, which is better than forty-five. Uh, is the Fed of Texas? I I don't. They this price bubble, the price level now is a problem. And I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a limb here. Don't don't quote me because you, if you don't can't explain the whole thing, you can't you can't quote. I think the quote inflation accelerator of money coming into the system, at least for the moment, has stopped. Now you've got the problems. The CPI is way behind the times, and uh, you've got other stuff in the pipeline that's going to keep it pumping for a while. But we now have a price level that at the end of the day, John, is going to be 35% higher than it was. Right. And people are up, let's say, 8%, 10% maybe in, in their in their wages, and that's being charitable. So everybody's down 30% on everything, cars, you name it. Tuition probably hasn't gone up that much, but at the end of the day, it's going to be like 30%. Now, is the Fed... Do they they attack that bubble? Do they do they try and drain that back down? Jen, I don't know. As much as I've been critical about them letting, that's why you don't let what happened happen. Right. The only way to do it in the past was what happened in 1930 to 33, where everything collapsed. And, you know, rents collapsed, wages collapsed, yeah. the price of a meal in a restaurant collapsed, uh, revenue, tax revenue collapsed. And look how long it took. We're, we were digging our way out of that still in about 1950. Yeah, but, we just, but what is going to happen to these rents if, if everything in the restaurant, if the prices in the restaurant collapse? Right. I mean, this all is all tied together, and I get the feeling sometimes that our people in charge don't understand that. And I don't think they, don't, they I do. Just, I've, I've concluded, Tom, that they, they've reached a point in their education and their 
their weariness with the world. They don't care anymore. Like, how could they care? Yeah, it's pr- <laughs> so if they let this happen, they they clearly don't care. And I think they know exactly what they're doing, and they're only worried about their own skins. I see nothing. Nothing. <laughs> <laughs> that was Schultz. John, <laughs> thank you very much. Talk to you later in a week. SP Peters down 33. Be right back. It's Audrey Johnson. How much confidence do you have that your investments will make you wealthy? Do you truly know the odds? Welcome to Luckbox, the control freak's guide to life, money, and probability. Luckbox shows you how to factor in the likelihood of success before you commit to an investment or any other life decision. Your brain is smarter than your gut, and that's why you owe it to yourself to read Luckbox. We've made it easy because Luckbox is free for one year at luckboxmagazine.com jocks. Each new issue dives deep into the current investing climate, separates the signal from the noise with timely, actionable trading ideas and equips you with savvy investing tactics you don't already know all while exploring how to live your best life through music spirits food sports travel fitness and a whole lot more luckbox is the essential magazine for proactive investors who are hell-bent on controlling their financial futures it's for overachievers and alpha types who don't buy into wall street's investment gurus it's for mavericks who believe in life luxury and the pursuit of happiness it's for you smart investors don't bet on possibilities they play the probabilities luckbox is 7.99 on newsstands, but you can subscribe for 10 free digital issues at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Don't rely on luck. Get luckbox at luckboxmagazine.com slash jocks. Hello, this is Tom Howe, the Chief. We've talked a lot on the show about risk and suitability, about how your portfolio should match your age, income, and risk appetite. It's been hard for investors to maintain that suitability in the last several years due to a Fed strategy that has driven interest rates to virtually zero. You may have even heard that the Fed was trying to drive conservative investors to a riskier portfolio on purpose, for whatever reason. I'm sure you're aware of investors that took some increased risk, such as longer-term fixed-income securities, and are now unhappy with that choice. At PTI, we've always stressed total portfolio risk awareness and tried to minimize chasing returns in a tough environment. Well, now it looks like maybe interest rates are moving more towards historical levels. Everyone needs to be aware of what that continued movement might do to your portfolio, both good and bad. We also have a stock market that seems to have stalled, at least for the short term. I think it's time for everyone to take a serious look at their goals, their risks, and their portfolios. Do they match? If not, we can help. We have a signature protected index program. We have ways to hedge against interest risk. We can make that portfolio right for you again. Go to PTISecurities.com or call us right now. The market can change very rapidly. That's PTISecurities.com. Hi, I'm Audrey Johnson, owner of Home Source Realty and frequent contributor to Stocks and Jocks Radio Show. If you're thinking about purchasing real estate, this summer could be a good time to shop around. Whether you're a novice or seasoned investor, low interest rates and a good inventory make adding bricks and mortar investment to your portfolio an interesting possibility. Many a great fortune has begun with the purchase of property. Call me today for your personal investment consultation, and I would be happy to get you started on your path to prosperity. You can reach me at Audrey Johnson at Realtor.com or call me at 708-349-3456. That's 708-349-3456. Stocks, jocks, Stocks and jocks. Stocks and jocks. You are out of control. Right here, right now, right here, right now, right now. Right now. Hello, Rump Bay Stacks and Jacks. I'm Tom Howe. Matt Byrne on the board. SP Futures down 29, uh, 30, 29.50, somewhere in there. As that Futures down 111, it's uh, up a bit. At 45 down was the lowest I saw last night, and then again this morning we've been creeping back from there. Dow Futures down 258. I don't have any, there's no real green on my screen, though. I don't, every single uh, Dow stack uh, that is open, a couple that aren't, Honeywell's not open yet, all those are down. We got Night Healthcare down 3.25, we got Microsoft down 2. Uh, they're all, 
Goldman Sachs down 240, Boeing down 250. So there's nothing really. Apple down a buck 88. Uh, nothing, nothing to the plus side here. It's just a little less down than it was. In Europe, we've got the DAX down 136. That's a full 1%. FTSE down 52.7. CAC around down 70, 73. That's 1.2. So they're down sort of like we are. In Asia, we've got the Nikkei down 762. That's almost 2.7%. Shanghai up 4. Call that flat or 0.1%. Hang Seng up, down 146, but they made it back over 20,000. Must have been Friday, uh, Friday during the day. 20,023. Uh, if you're uh, quite a spell for a few days under under 20,000. Bonds up six basis points, 3.10. Bond up eight, the 1.47. Japan up uh, 0.03 to 0.25. So uh, the, the Bund is actually making a pretty big move up here. It was down to 0.8 something a few weeks ago. Uh, oil up 48 cents, 93.64. Brent up 32 cents, 101.31. Natural gas up another 14 cents, 943, which is you know near their highs. Arbob down five cents, 279. We've got gold, can't get out of its own way ever. Down seven bucks, 1742. Uh, so it was, it was down to 1700, back up to 1800, now kind of right in the middle. Silver down 27 cents, 1855. Copper down nine cents, 360. We've got uh, Bitcoin. It's up now, 14, back up over 20,000, so that's kind of a relief to the market. market's going right with Bitcoin, up, down, up, down. It was got down to like 19.5 uh, this weekend, so that was pretty low. Uh, and we have the, the U.S. dollar is, uh, well, the euro, wow, the euro is up, all of a sudden has made a run up here, where it's actually worth $1. So wow. they're, they're, they've made it back to even from 0.99. Matt, what do you got for us, Traffic Weather Sports? Yeah, good morning. Currently 7.35 a.m. on Monday, August 29th, 2022. In the MLB yesterday, Cubs lose to Milwaukee Brewers 9-7. White Sox versus Diamondbacks. Diamondbacks win 3-2. Uh, week 3 of the preseason uh, NFL wrapped up yesterday. But on Saturday, Bears were at Cleveland Browns and uh, Bears won 21-20. Cardinals at Titans and Titans lose. Oh, sorry, Titans lose. Cardinals win 26-23. Now for weather in Chicago. Uh, currently in Chicago, partly cloudy, 73 degrees, a high of 89 and a low of 69. In Phoenix, clear skies, 87 degrees, a high of 109, and a low of 87. Now for traffic in Chicago. Uh, traffic eastbound on the Eisenhower between Wolf Road to downtown. Traffic westbound on the Eisenhower between Laramie to 1st Avenue. Traffic eastbound on the Kennedy between Cumberland to, Detroit, to downtown. Traffic westbound on the Kennedy between downtown to West Harlem Avenue. Traffic westbound on the Dan Ryan between 59th Street to the Jane Burn Interchange downtown. And finally, traffic northbound on the Stevenson between Illinois Route 171 to South Pulaski Road. So I got Chief back to you. What do you mean it's all you got? We just, did NASA <laughs> just postpone the rocket launch to the moon? Oh my gosh! Well, hey, if we had uh, 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 rocket traffic, I'd be all over it. Well, but, you uh, know, uh, now you dudes, we have Audrey. Do indeed. All right, how are you? Yes, <laughs> we're good morning. We have uh, Matt and a student over there, Andrew. Mm. Got, That's great. Yeah, we got got a new dude. Yeah. And, uh, it likes to add to the staff. Yes, welcome. Uh, you guys, you you youths, youths, mm-hmm. um, you can't even imagine what it was like uh, back in 1969 when the rocket shot that was going to go to put guys on the moon. Was there anybody that didn't watch that thing go off on? Well, everybody watched it on the black and white, old-fashioned TVs in school, even. Oh God, yeah, they had, they wheeled TVs into the schools when they, when it, yeah. you know, they, they had one of these big uh, things where they, this big old TV plopped on top of this thing that wheeled them. They wheeled them in every class, so you watch the the uh, 
the Saturn Saturn V rocket go off. Wow! Yeah. And it was it was really something. And uh, you know, when the guys landed on the moon, it was. I mean, it, you, you can't even imagine what the thrill was like when that happened. Mm. And it was just, uh, for God's sake, we we did something <laughs> and <laughs> did it right. Our, our guys actually came back, and yeah. I mean, it was really really something. That's I thought America was actually still doing something to progress themselves in the world. Yeah, and we haven't been there in, what, 50 years? How far we've fallen. Yeah. Have you ever... Uh, they're uh, still trying to sabotage NASA and the Space Force. Oh, yeah. yeah. Have you ever read that speech that was... Uh, it was a backup speech just in case they didn't make it back. Uh, essentially, yeah. that, that, that uh, yes. uh, the president would have to read out uh, in the van. It's actually kind of uh, very chilling. You can, you know, anyone who's listening, you can look it up on the Internet right now. Uh, it's it's uh, very spooky. Well, I mean, I'm not. Uh, when these guys did this, essentially on slide rules, I mean, all these, these calculations, and I mean, for those that, that don't know, we'll take two seconds on this, because I, I, I actually had a, a course at Notre Dame, which I remember virtually everything from, called Space Tech and Society. It was absolutely fascinating. But for those that don't know, what what you would do is you, you sent this thing off, kind of towards the moon. Not we're, not the moon. You can't aim at it, right? You got to aim where it's going to be when you get there. But it has to be in just the right spot where, if you missed it, you just kept going, right? Because you had no, you had no ability on this thing to actually turn the bus around or any fuel to, to come back this way a little bit. But the idea was you had to catch the moon just right to where the, the moon's orbit caught you, and you put the brakes on, and you actually land ended up in the moon's orbit. If you didn't do that, you were absolutely screwed. You, you those guys would be like where like Pluto is now. <laughs> the bodies would still be out there. I mean. And then, then you had to land, and you had to come back up, then you had to break out of that orbit and do the same thing when you got here. You had to get it just right at the right angle. If not, you either burned up or skipped off and went to God knows where. And uh, these guys, I mean, talk about having big ones. <laughs> the dudes that did this, these test pilots, they well, do you think they were made of sturdier stuff, those guys, or what? I, I think so. I think that it's absolutely amazing, and people forget that the odds yeah, we're, yeah. we're not there with that. Yes. <laughs> oh, oh, sorry. Uh, an interjection from the poodle this morning. Sorry. What does the poodle take all this? <laughs> hey, uh, two things, Aud. We got because you've got your, your your finger on the pulse of. I mean, the reason why I love having Aud and Nancy on, a because it's nice to have ladies on once in a while. Um, but also, they 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 talk to regular people all day long. So you're not going to get any BS out of them because they they talk to. Uh, Audrey's carting regular people around, knows everything about them, and Nancy knows everything about people when she, she does a mortgage. So you, you can't you can't fool these ladies. So um, Goldman Sachs here, uh, oh, I just came out with a thing saying, next year, don't worry about it, consumers are going to have all kinds of discretionary cash. You know, but they claim... We are. Yeah, you know, well, that's what they're saying. They're saying that this year, people have 10% less discretionary cash because inflation is eating it all up and uh, that, that will narrow the decrease will narrow to a 2.7 dip this quarter and a 1.2 percent drop for the holiday season right, now I, I sort of get that part but I'm not so sure where it all starts to march up again next year I mean they, they're thinking people are getting all these big raises I don't know are they really I I don't see it it doesn't really matter if you're getting a raise if it uh, is Taken from one hand, one hand and taken from the other. Uh, uh, you could tap dance and present this any way you want, but the average person, which I think is ninety-eight percent of the population, 
is being hurt and feeling it enormously. I don't know how fam- I know many families that have scrubbed their plans to either move up or purchase a house because uh, now they're living paycheck to paycheck and they're trying to buy the keep buying kids groceries and filling that gas tank up and they're worried and they're hurting and people there's only so many hours of the day that people can work yeah there's only you can only send your wife to work once unless you got two wives right i know some guys who have two two jobs and the wife's working yeah and they're barely making it so uh, it's not when a gallon of milk goes from a dollar ninety nine to five dollars, and you've got two or three kids in the house. Um, it's making a difference in how you're living your life. That's for sure. And, and you know what? A lot of stuff that uh, you and you and Nance bring to the program. Uh, one of the, one of the things that Nancy saw about last week is is you can look at when you, when you look at a guy like Matt Byrne. Doesn't look like a guy who's really anxious to. To remodel his place himself, nope. he could very well be, or, but that's it's not fair to say, uh, gee, Matt's lazy and doesn't know how to do this crap. You could say that, but well, I, I won't. I, I wouldn't. <laughs> uh, I would hope not. But but, but uh, by the way, I also know you can learn. So I mean, it's, uh, I mean, if I taught you how to paint one room, I, I I think you'd be good to go for the rest of your life. Mm. So you're he's a quick learner. My my point being is, when you say st- when you hear Audrey or Nancy say stuff like. People only want houses with move-in condition. You can a jump to the conclusion that Matt's a, Matt's a lazy son of a whatever, or you can say that Matt and his bride have put every nickel they can into this mortgage, and they don't have a nickel to paint a room, hmm. which is really more the more the story, isn't it? What? Well, it's it's a little of both, and it also depends what income, what strata you're looking at. Uh, if people can afford to buy you. Or by redone and pretty, that's just human nature. You're gonna you're gonna go for that. Uh, but there is always a certain segment, not as big as it used to be by far, that will go for that rehab because they have the skills, capability, and don't mind living in a mess or have another home to live in that could be rehabbed until they move. But it is. I think if times keep up like this, people are going to learn to do a lot more things themselves and not just fix up a house. It's going to be a necessity. Well, growing up for myself, uh, we didn't have a lot of money, and my parents did everything themselves. My dad could fix anything. Uh, He was a steel worker, and anything that had to be fixed around the house, he and his family or his friends, they all got together and people would help each other whatever skills that they owned. Somebody was maybe a bricklayer, a guy was a carpenter, and people did things. My father and his friends built our garage. So I think necessity is literally becoming the mother invention, whatever you need to do. And if things get bad enough, and this recession gets worse, you're gonna learn how to do more, live on less, or you'll learn how to compensate. It's just to be the way it is. Oh well, yeah, and but uh, of course he was from the south side, so everybody everybody had a guy. You got a guy, right? Absolutely. But you know, but it reaches a point where you and, and, and your dad would be the first person. I mean, I knew her dad exceptionally well because he made it to what ninety eight, what or ninety nine. Uh, yep. All and uh-huh. really good faculty too, which so you could actually one of the most. Uh, Matt was interesting. I, I there's a great book. I always I always talk about it here on the show 
Freedom from Fear by William Kennedy. It's a big it's a history of the U.S. during the Depression and World War II. A lot of stuff in there you would you would never think. It's totally different than what you what you read elsewhere. And it, anyway, I, I learned a boatload from there. But Lloyd's well, dad was still alive, and I was able to to bounce the stuff in the book off him. And he was saying, "Yeah, all that stuff is correct. Even stuff like how many people were drafted versus enlisted, and whether you could buy your way out of the draft, and those kind of things." Hmm. He was telling me how big a crook the head of the draft was in Chicago. If you have enough dough, you could get out of it and stuff. And oh. you know, a lot of stuff that I would never. I was able to confirm what I was reading because her dad lived it, and yeah. it was it was really pretty fascinating. I mean, well, I'd be wanting to go to breakfast. I'm never talking to her dad about something going on during a depression <laughs> type of thing. <laughs> but uh, but that, well, that that's just me. Yeah. But but all, right, all this stuff comes to fruition. I mean, there are people that you you put in a house and say they want this one. It's their dream place, and they got the baby, and everybody's working a whole bit. I mean, some people have like next to nothing left when they get in there, right? Yeah, uh, some people do buy, let's say, uh, you know, a certain amount down, and you have to, you have to have some savings to facilitate the mortgage. But you're right, a lot a lot of people just don't have. Uh, a boatload of cash to go back on. Anyway, that's most people. Not everybody is that affluent. Not everybody has a massive stock portfolio. So you have to deal with what you have. And at least if they saved enough to get a foothold. Oh, sorry. Poodle does not like people this morning. Uh, Get over here. You know, as you say, not a lot of people had a lot of money to start the biggest investment ever, but they did it. And that is usually what turns the tide for people. They have a stability. They stop throwing their money may on rent. They're accumulating equity for the future, and that also allows them to expand into other horizons. So it's a stepping stone for most people to the beginning of wealth accumulation. Well, Nancy was saying last week that virtually none of the two-income families can carry the house by themselves, one of the, one of the people. I would say that that's probably very true because if you're purchasing, just say uh, an average house, possibly out in the Tidley Park, Orland area, uh, your bi-level, tri-level, three and a quarter to four hundred, you know, that uh, you're going to need both probably both incomes to float that house. Say somebody's a nurse, somebody's a policeman, a fireman uh, in the trades. You know, you're going to need the, you're going to need both incomes, and that started to change. Uh, you know, back in the '70s, yeah. after the last bout of massive inflation, when women started to go into the workforce. Yeah, Carl talks and all about that. That was it's never changed back. No, like Carl was saying that was the the safety valve into the new inflationary world. But we only had one safety valve. You only get one wife or one husband at a time, anyway. Uh, at least in this country. Yeah, at least in this country. <laughs> I don't know. Do you think, I, I doubt very seriously in the places where you can have a couple of wives where both of them are working. I think you're right. Of course not. You have to be rich to have a bunch of wives. Actually, you have to be rich to have at least one wife, I think. Oh, oh God. <laughs> we'll, we'll leave that one alone. Hey, I don't know if you heard Jan and I talking about the increase. You don't do a lot of this. Uh, what's, this what's the state of the uh, storefront rentals and stuff in, in your area? It's, not, it's probably nowhere near as bad as some places, but... There's vacancies. How's like Orland Mall doing? You know what I had seen? It's way better. There's uh, not a lot of vacancy. It's 
Oil, oil has handled uh, the, uh, the, I can't remember the name of the company now that runs Oil and Wall, it's a big national thing. They've done a very good job in attracting new stores. Uh, all of our malls are very well, and all of the other outside malls are full that I've seen. Uh, there's always a few places here and there, but all in all, Orland has, uh, we've got a great mayor. He's done a great job with this town, who's also running for Congress, by the way. Well, of course, well, he's been on the show. Mayor mm-hmm. Pical, he's a great guy. By the way, your assignment was to get him back on. I thought that was your assignment. No, you, well, you got him on last time, so, you know, his lady knows you oh, more than she okay. does me. Yeah, he's, uh. Now that he's uh, doing so well, we'd like to give him, yeah, we should get him on here and uh, give us an update on his campaign. Yeah, I would love to have him on. I feel, feel, feel uh, sorry for our girl Karen, but we're going to have her back on anyway because I mean, she's going to be doing some good stuff. Uh, no, but uh, mm-hmm. uh, Keith, was a, he was a great guest. And uh, really, and it's, it, it's interesting. I, I think he's unusual in a lot of, well, a lot of ways because he would answer any question he asked him. But he's, uh, he's a little older for a guy trying to be a freshman U.S. rep, and he's he's not planning on being a shrinking violet when he gets there. Uh, but I don't think he will be. I don't think he's... Well, he he wasn't it? here. No. He's done a, a wonderful job of getting Orland through COVID. He gave people credit for having brains how to run their lives and didn't show stupid regulations down people's throat. And Orland has thrived. It's been a great place to live, so I'll get a plug from my hometown here. Well, I mean, he was... Uh, well, we'll get him back on, and uh, who knows? Maybe if you you could be either maybe come in or be part of the interview because he's he was terrific. But so where where are our home prices? Are they everybody, everybody says everything we read we talk about on the show? They're 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 plateauing somewhat. Is that is that a fair statement? They plateaued back in uh, end of May June, and uh, they've been hitting there, hitting there. We have actually had a spike. Most areas in the suburb have had a little spike in June, July, uh, because inventory dropped dramatically as interest rates went up because a lot of people who were possibly going to move decided to stay in their house, kind of exacerbated the uh, shortage of inventory, uh, and that forced a few houses that were competition, especially if what I call in, you know, show-shaped condition, more buyers, so they were still going over list price. And while now you will see there has been a plateauing and a small drop in prices, that's hitting those houses that are sitting on the market that were not sitting, would not have sat even six months ago. But now people are becoming a little more discerning. They're not jumping at the house. The buyers actually have more than two minutes to make up their mind if they want to buy a house right now. There are still multiple offers out here on good houses. And they are still going under contract in a day or two in certain uh, certain types, certain areas. But you, uh, it has definitely calmed down quite a bit. And there are people who are making offers and lower and getting that house. So people are still on the fence. Six percent rate, even though it's a shock to the younger buyers who's never seen anything over five percent. It's still historically a low interest rate. If you're looking for a house, it's still a good time to look. So don't let it put you off completely because you might just get that bargain you were hoping for. My buddy Alan, I forgot to tell you this, yesterday. my buddy Alan who's in a, I don't know, some city in South Carolina right near the shore because he's always going on in some boat. Uh, he's been trying to buy a house down there and all that. It's like, it's like a microcosm because everybody kind of knows everybody kind of thing. 
a lot of people had their houses for sale. It's uh, like a ridiculous price. Just hoping somebody would come by and grab them. Well, now all of a sudden, evidently, somebody who actually really like, needs to sell has dropped their price like 10%. And all the rest of them have either dropped them 10% or pulled them off the market. All of a sudden, they, they're, they're dropping like a stone because they were so unrealistic in the first place that, <laughs> that nobody wanted them. And now somebody who actually has to sell is like lowering his price like every day, it seems. Because they were so busy. Actually, I heard that that's what uh, happened in the Tampa market. Friends of mine who actually relocated uh, from Tampa back to uh, Illinois here, they said they, they were tired of being hot all the time and sweaty. Yeah, well, <laughs> so it was interesting. But uh, this top of the market by about a month still managed to do very well. But that right now that the market in the Tampa area has just, like, died. It's just completely different than it was a few months ago. And it's just sitting, a lot of houses are just sitting on the market now. When, when, when was so the, the people who were looking in Florida might want to uh, when, think when, about looking now. When was the top of the, the frenzy, you had, when you had that, that bungalow near 87th Street and there were 25 people for the open house fighting over it? When was that, a year ago? Oh, uh, that was, uh, like yeah, like last fall. Actually, that wasn't the top. The top did not happen until this year. Um, and I think I had... Uh, actually called it on WJOL right around the end of May. I said, this is it. We're hitting it. And um, it turned out to be right. It was a good feeling. What's it, you could just feel the market change. You could feel things change. Um, you know, people got people became either afraid or, you know, money problems. And, you know, that changes everything for people. Well, how are the... Uh, so we'll see what happens. Are, are you... Are the re- I mean, you've sold some places to guys that do rehab work and they'll update a place and we're not you know place you know 25 years old never been updated nobody wants it just because the kitchens and bathrooms are old they all work uh you could live there but people want it newer uh you had a you know i won't say a bunch of people we had some guys that would you'd call and would do the rehab stuff but for a while those guys were, were gagging on the prices at home depot is are they still sort of out of the market or are they i mean what a price to rehab a place was 40 and then it got to be like 100 i mean is it is is that group falling out because of the prices? They are becoming more selective, and a lot of times people are doing as expensive as a renovation, depending on the house. You've got to pick your spot. Um, I saw a renovation of a uh, about a million and a half dollar house where the guy vastly overestimated. It wasn't my client. Um, I think vastly all overestimated what he put in that house, and it's still sitting there. And um, I don't think it was done the way he would have been done. He spent a lot, a lot of money that I don't think he's going to recoup an investment on. So, you know, and, and lumber and paint and all the necessities to renovate are still really high priced. So you've got to really be careful as a rehabber. It's, it's not as easy as it was a few months ago. No, I think the prices are, 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 are real high for the, at the places and, but these guys, of course, know. You just go to buy a gallon of paint. You just shock the people and bought paint oh, yeah. for a while. Well, you can you can pay forty five dollars for a gallon of paint, easy. And if you do a design, you can pay sixty dollars for a gallon of paint. I'm saying if you're if you don't have a de- decent discount at a Benjamin Moore or or uh, God help you if you go buy like a Ralph Lauren paint, what are they like a hundred for the, for the same color? So yeah, it's, you have to really uh, be careful. It's everything is still very very expensive. And I don't, and I don't know. people say, you know what? I'll live with the countertops for another year. Yep. And wait and see what happens. Well, and if you don't have the right, you know, if you don't have the right, 
people, you, it's easy to get gouged. I mean, right now, I mean, it's real easy to get gouged. Absolutely. But uh, so, what do, you, what do you make of? I mean, I don't, I don't know where this. I'd like to see it, but I don't see where the big uptick is coming next year. I mean, I think there are some some uh, wages, you know, maybe going up here and there. I mean, I think the people on the that were making ten are all up to fifteen, sixteen. But you're not, you're not, you're not. I don't know of anybody who's. Uh, That's all. That is all been eaten up by the inflation yeah. already. So who's kidding who here? Um, I'd love to see what Goldman's talking about. I, you know, maybe they're talking about the half of the one percenters. But the average person has been hurt so badly with savings, and people are starting to live off their credit cards again. That you're heading down the same path that caused all the problems before. So I would say instead of making the whole country pay for the government's mistakes, why don't we just stop spending trillions of dollars that all of us are going to end up paying for? Well, that's the thing. You don't realize that, that the, the bill will come due. I mean, it has in... The it, bill is... Yeah. It's, it's frightening, and it's already, and it's going to hurt our generation, the next generation, that are going to be paying for spending. As the average person knows, you can only spend money you don't have for so long. Well, our government hasn't figured out that. Well, they've, they're, they're, the economics of the situation of their mind is that if you can... If your GDP growth is slightly above the growth of your debt, but the problem that you're okay in 50 years, all right? But we don't have 50 years, or some people do. Uh, but it but it, it ends up being a zero sum game because every time you have a tax bill, like the last one, is getting paid for by this alleged increase in corporate income taxes, they're not going to get anything there, right? They're not going to get a dime. People no, are just, they're just there's, gonna, there's nothing there, and people will get either offshore fire workers. Go to part-time workers. I so they're all they're, they're shoving this recession farther, deeper, and, and longer than well, that's it shouldn't right. even existed in the first place. Let's. Well, well, take. Thank you very much. Take care of yourself. SP Futures down thirty-four. NASDAQ Futures down one twenty-seven. And uh, we'd love to have Keith back on if you want to contact him. It'd be great. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow. Stocks and Jacks. Stocks and Jocks is brought to you by PTI Securities and Futures. Go to PTISecurities.com. PTI ProDirect. Trade for as low as a penny per share and a dollar per option contract. Learn more at PTIProDirect.com. Nadex. Offering an intuitive way to trade the financial markets. Visit Nadex.com. Home Source Realty. Call Audrey Johnson at 708-349-3456. Hamzi Analytics. Listen to Fari Hamzi every other Thursday and visit HamziAnalytics.com. Cairo Med. Back or neck pain? Schedule a complimentary consultation by calling 708-403-2727. DAX Research. Tune in for David Andelman's technical analysis on Mondays and Thursdays and call 1-800-821-4968. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway.